You have to find a higher point of view of yourself or you're going to feel like life is just here to kick your ass. Because in reality, what it's doing is it's teaching you. The body's just a learning device. That's all it is. Because you are a non-physical being. You're an eternal spirit, a pure consciousness. So how could you learn anything unless you take up a physical form and walk around in a 3D world and have experiences? So the body is very sacred and holy in that regard. It's a learning device from the source, but it's absolutely not who you are. And that shouldn't be hard to realize, right? Are you beating your heart? Are you circulating your blood? Are the other 5 billion processes happening right now? Of course you're not. Can you stop yourself from aging? Of course you can't. You're not the body. And until you know that, everything that happens to you will traumatize you. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Hey, hey, party people. Welcome to another episode of the Medicine Podcast, where we love to dive deep into the real medicines of our world, the medicines that help us all to create more conscious relationships in every aspect of our life, our relationship to a romantic partner, our relationship to our health our relationship to God and spirituality. When we do this, we are not only creating a more conscious, fulfilling life for ourselves, we're also literally changing the world, which is part of what we get into today with our good friend, spiritual teacher, and fellow holistic health enthusiast, Aaron Abke. This is Aaron's fourth time on the medicine, and we recorded this conversation live in person from Aaron's living room in Austin, Texas, which was super fun. We spent a couple of days uh, of our recent Austin podcast tour with Aaron and his partner, Selena, who have ugh, just become one of our favorite couples to spend time with. So this conversation, like we don't, we don't hold back right off the bat. We get into Aaron's thoughts on aliens, or as he refers to them, higher density beings, and what their existence really teaches us. We discuss current social issues like gender identity and what it may mean from a spiritual standpoint. Then Aaron teaches us about the nature of the ego and how we can start seeing ourselves from a higher perspective. Then my personal favorite part of the conversation, Aaron shares about Kundalini awakening and how we can shift our consciousness from third density to fourth density. After knowing Aaron for a few years now and getting really close with him and Selena, I can honestly say that he is a legit spiritual wizard. He doesn't just speak beautiful poetic words. He really lives out what he teaches. And information like this is what the world needs so badly right now. I know you feel it. More dialogue, less clickbait headlines. More compassion, less hate. More unity, less division. More curiosity, less fear. 
And it starts with each of us on an individual level. What am I doing? How am I showing up in my life to bring about the more beautiful world my heart knows is possible? If you resonate with Aaron's words today, I invite you to check out his membership called 4D University. We talk about it a lot in this episode, so you'll hear plenty. And of course, all the links are available in the show notes for you to check it out. Lastly, if you enjoy this conversation, send it to someone you love or share it on your Instagram story. Our world needs this information desperately, and we appreciate each and every share or send. Okay, enjoy my loves. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I got my love Chase here with me. What is going on, everybody? So stoked. We are in the flesh with... (laughs) Aaron Abke in his beautiful home. Thank you so much for having us, man. Thanks for coming back on. I was going to say, you're welcoming me onto your podcast, but I'm welcoming <laughs> you to my house. This yes. is so cool. Yes, I always give Chase our my intro, and then he gives the guest the intro, but we are so happy to have you on. Likewise. I think this is, this is number four. Is it four? Right? I think it's number four. It might be four. So you are, you're right behind our astrologer. Your astrologer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adrian. I'm coming for her. Yeah, you're, you're coming <laughs> yeah. in hot. She, I hope she feels me on her on her heels, man. Yeah. Oh, she does. She doesn't even know who you are, but she I think she can feel it, the energy. Um, we are so excited to not only just be in your home and, and to hang out with you and Selena, um, but to have you on and to share your wisdom with our with our friends and our community. I know there's definitely, when we mentioned that we were having you on again, there was definitely uh, quite a few people on Instagram. They're like, oh, yes, I love Aaron. So uh, I know people are excited to, to hear from you today. And, and, and a ton of people who, who have found us through you. Yes. You know, nice. through your share of various clips from our episodes. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're either, you know, consuming mushy love or Mm -hmm. they're listening to the podcast and so it's just so fun to be able to uh cross uh community pollinate if you will it's the best and uh i just i just i I love to like don't get me wrong um it's not that i'm being inauthentic when i when i meet guests or we have guests on but you know i'm trying to put my best foot forward right um and now you know that you know there's there's no bullshit here and uh, we, I can be an asshole and you can appreciate it and <laughs> yep. I don't have to pretend to, uh, to be super nice all the time. So I'm, I'm glad we can have this uh, just real, authentic, fireside chat with Aaron Apke. Yes. Yeah, we were talking about that last night at dinner, right? How um, when you're in a podcast or an interview, most people are thinking like, how do I speak for the audience that's listening? But ironically, the best conversations always happen when you're not thinking about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do I have the best conversation with this one person right now? Yeah. 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 And so we, we, we have some, you know, really awesome stuff we want to get into with you. You know, some of these concepts that you're, you know, further articulating and, and presenting um, that that is exciting. And I think everybody's going to love to hear them. Uh, but we have some fun questions, too, that uh, we'll switch it up a little <laughs> bit and uh, break the ice, yeah. if you will, with them. Yeah. Um, one question we, we were talking about this yesterday. We would love to ask you is. If you and Selena were to have a dinner party and you were to have two or three individuals throughout history, like you can resurrect dead, dead bodies and, and, you know, consciousness from uh, figures of, of fame or even just, you know, it could be your, your great grandma. Uh, what, who, who, what two or three individuals would you want to have over for dinner? And then what would you like to talk to them about? What a question. <laughs> 
Yeah, I could ponder this one forever, but I'll just rattle off a few names that sound interesting to me. Babe, if you have any, feel free to shout. Um, I think one person that would be really interesting to, to meet would be Terrence McKenna. Oh, yeah. Mm. Wouldn't yeah. that be amazing? That's that would a great be incredible. answer. When I listen to that guy talk, it's... it's um, Templeton it's, the Rat from uh, Charlotte's Web is yeah. what his voice sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has the mushroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was so brilliant that like he's one of those people that y- you can't even appreciate his true genius until time enough time has gone mm-hmm. by you reflect yeah. back and go whoa that guy yeah. was on the same planet as me <laughs> he, the way he thought about um the supernatural the metaphysical the psychedelic experience is i, I think we'll ever see somebody like him again and he really pioneered that space in so many ways so i would love to have conversations with him i would love to meet there's so many like sages that i've um studied and and read that I would be interested to talk to. Number one for me, though, would be um, Ram Dass' guru, mm. Neem Karoli Baba. Just just to meet a being like that would be yeah. surreal. Yeah. Do you think he would... Uh it was he i don't i don't know much about him was he was he much of a talker was he how would he uh be at a dinner party you think oh man <laughs> so no he wasn't much of a talker um well i mean he was but he, he wasn't known for his teachings mm. he was a being of true supernatural caliber where just miracles would happen constantly like he was so tapped in that he would be reading people's minds constantly like it was it was like tripping being around this yeah. guy mm. because he would talk to people um, like he would talk to you as if you were speaking to him when you're just thinking and not, not saying anything out loud and it would constantly stun people, but it was like normal to him. He was that wow. dialed in, yeah. you know? So he would do weird stuff, quirky stuff, but a true like mirror being like him where he's, he's so crystallized himself that mm-hmm. he's just like a reflective surface, you know, anyone around him is just seeing their own ego bouncing back off of him. And those kind of beings will do things and behave in certain ways that are constantly exposing blind spots that you may not be aware of, mm-hmm. but like in a way that probably no one else will know, but you, yeah, because only you, you know, really understand the inside of your mind the best. So I would just love to interact with a being like that, uh, to have that experience of what that's even like. Cause it's so rare that somebody like that is even on the planet, you know, right. it probably yeah. happens every millennia. I remember hearing from Ram Dass at one point talking about how it was the, the moments of silence. Mm. It was the moments of just staring at him in the eyes. And that, that was all that was needed. He was actually, yeah. he, even Ram Dass was unable to articulate how transformative and how powerful those moments were of just absolute silence. And it's funny, I think, I think it was East Forest who was talking about his interactions with Ram Dass, like at the facility in Kauai or wherever it's at, or maybe mm-hmm. it's Maui. And they would, even when Ram Dass went in his last days after multiple mm-hmm. strokes and was basically yeah. unable to even speak, yep. they would just stare at each other in this room. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's nothing but uh, presence and love. this, this moment of love. And it's like, just this, mm-hmm. like just this and like how powerful and but but yet simple we were just talking before the episode we try to make everything complex mm-hmm. mm. yet these solutions i'm not saying they're easy right they're not easy but they're simple mm-hmm. Very simple. It, it like always drills down to yeah. a few steps they're simple you don't have to rush yeah, Tr- we were, truth is simple yeah. yeah we were talking about medicine being simple um, and I think that that the medicine for us as individuals and in life in general can be simple, but also in relationship, it's 
so freaking simple. When Chase and I are disconnected for any reason, just busyness, whatever, traveling, family around us in town, we're focused on our purpose in the world. The simplest medicines are always the best. Us just looking at each other's eyes, us breathing together. And that's, it's, it's immediate medicine. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. on the same wavelength again. And, and, uh, um, I know that that's what he's talking about when, when they're like just this, just us. Yeah. And, uh, it's something that I, that we all experience certain times in our life. You know, we, we went out to dinner with you guys last night and, um, you know, we're sitting there and we're talking for like three hours before we know it. Like, it's like almost 10 o'clock. Yeah. We're like, Oh my gosh, where did time go? But it's in the simplicity of just enjoying each other's presence. Like we don't need some grand gesture or some grand, you know, environment. Like it's just or, or like the you don't need stuff. Molly. Like that's, no. that's what it feels <laughs> yeah, like on yeah. Molly. Six yeah. hours goes by and it and you completely lost track of time. Yeah, it's serotonin. It is yeah. fulfillment. It's satiation. We were I think we were talking about this last night as well. God is satiating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, full. It's at capacity that was maharaji's one message yeah it was love love everyone tell the truth love god serve god remember god that yeah. was it he would he would when a disciple would come to him and say give me a practice to become realized he would just say just repeat god's name mm. in your in your mind all the time yeah and something about that practice they call it japa mm. in hinduism it's like repeating a certain mantra it, it acts sort of like a scrub brush for the mind and it starts to scrub away everything else over time if you commit to it enough. And so like uh, Neem Karoli Baba, he would, he would write the name of God, which is Ram, uh, in one of the Hindu gods, Ram, on pieces of paper like for hours in his room, mm. uh, which is another way of doing it. But obviously it worked for this guy because he became so immersed in God, in love, that anyone who came around him would just be moved to tears and like they would become discombobulated in their psyche and, and run away crying. I don't know what this guy mm. just did to me. Like he didn't even interact with them, yeah. you know, but the energy field that a being like that has is amazing. And one, one quick example, like in a story form to give you an idea is, uh, they would bring fruit to Maharaji, which is like a custom they do with gurus in India. And, uh, they call it prasad. So it's like an offering to the guru. And then, uh, Maharaji would throw fruit around to everybody and, he would, he would like bless the fruit or put some kind of, you know, energetic code in the fruit that he knows people need and like throw it at them. And people started to figure out that he was like giving them medicine in the fruits. Mm. And so like when, when you got past a fruit, you knew like, oh, this is like my medicine, you know, mm. and people would have these breakthroughs and these <clears throat> insights wow. and whatever their problems were. But most of all, he, he could detect how the food was prepared with mm. love or not. And he was like notorious for refusing to eat food that wasn't prepared with love. Wow. And nobody would tell him who prepared it, but there was a certain cook in the ashram who always made the food and, and would wash the fruits and stuff. And she always put a lot of love into the food. And I can't remember her name, but he would always say, um, let's just say it was Martha or something. He would say, only Martha's food, only Martha's food in here, no one else's. <laughs> and so like Martha has to go on a vacation at some point or visit a family member. So she leaves and they're like, we can't let Maharaji know or he won't let us eat the food and stuff. <laughs> so somebody else prepares the food and he takes a bite of it and immediately spits it out and goes, this isn't Martha's food. Wow. <laughs> and uh, the most amazing story on that um, vein of like feeling the frequency of the food was this one woman who was a devotee went to the village one day to buy fruit to offer for Prasad. And she bought a bunch of berries 
um, probably blueberries or something. Strawberries, that's what it was. And she dropped them. Her basket broke or something, and they fell all over the road. And she's like, oh, no, I just bought these. And she picks them up, into the, puts them in a sack, goes home, and then carefully washes all the dirt off of them because she's like, I want to make mm. sure Maharaja mm-hmm. gets the cleanest food, no dirt, you know. So she carefully, like, washes these strawberries. And so she gets there, you know, 20 minutes before um, the darshan starts, and she puts her fruit on the pile, the giant pile of fruit. All the devotees are adding their fruit to it. And um, Maharaji gets up on his tucket and sits down and uh, his usual thing of looking around and stuff. <laughs> and then he goes to the fruit and his eyes perk up and he starts digging through the fruit <laughs> and he finds her strawberries, which were like near the bottom on one side. And he picks up the strawberry and looks at it and he's like, oh. <laughs> and he starts eating it and he's, mm, and he picks it up and he throws it and he's s- s- giving everyone the strawberries. Because mm. he, he literally felt yeah. the love that was in those strawberries. He had no idea whose they were how they were prepared or anything, but he was that tapped into mm. frequency wow. that it like it caught his attention, you know? Yeah. Well, we were talking about last night, um, the, the memory that, that water holds and how much it's right. literally like totally. liquid consciousness. Well, think about a strawberry. It's probably yeah. what? 80% water, at least maybe yeah. more. Um, and it would make sense that it would carry that vibration, that frequency of the love that she, that she had and then was preparing the food and everything. I love that story. That's so great. Yeah. There's a, a like there's three different books you, you can read on Maharaji. There's hundreds of stories like that, that these devotees wrote that'll blow your mind. Hmm. There, there's love such that. a, the archetype of the teacher versus the guru or the mentor. There is, and I think there's probably a million differentiators. <laughs> I think one of them is when you're around a real master, mm-hmm. the experiential knowledge that's obtained by being in their presence and witnessing their uh, constitution for yeah. life, it is a learning that you know I could only call a download because yeah. I, I yeah. can't rationally tell you why yeah. being around this particular master mm-hmm. felt like such a... Uh, more significant growth for me than it would be being around somebody who's like a yeah. professor, professor. Yeah. or a teacher yeah. or an educator. There's a level of uh, experiential knowledge that is embodied mm-hmm. by this individual that is then transferred simply by being in their presence and being open yes. and being receptive to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there is a real, I think we, we mix often teacher, mentor, guru. And I th- really do think that, that the real masters yeah. have some differentiation that is beyond the logical uh, understanding. Yeah. I think the well, I think one of the differentiators is in a you know with a teacher professor you're in a classroom. It's closed off from the outside world. Whatever they profess, whatever they're teaching in that environment, you have no idea if they actually live it out in their own life. Right. When you're going to a workshop or you're going and you're, you know, going to India and finding a guru and you see them in their like in their real life and interacting with other people. And it's not just a set curriculum. It just feels more real. It feels more applicable when you see them actually interacting with people in the, in the real world, yeah. not just in a in a classroom where they've done it, you know, 50 times, yeah. you know, to a different set of students. But, um, yeah, I, I love that point. It, it's definitely a different different vibration. for Yeah, because sure. these these beings are, are embodying the state of being that yeah. others will teach about with words they're in that state all the time and so we know that like when we're communicating for example the words i'm saying are maybe like 25% of all the data i'm actually conveying with my body language yeah. the way my eyes and eyebrows move 
just the mood I'm in, like you can feel all that stuff. Um, the nonverbal communication is sometimes greater than the verbal communication. So when you're around a being who's in that state of total self-realization absorbed in God, yeah. you better believe you're going to pick yeah. up on that mm-hmm. in the nonverbal ways. And in India, it's called a jnani. Uh, the word is jnana for knowledge. And jnani means one who knows, mm-hmm. one who has knowledge. And uh, the, the two kind of tall tale signs of being around a true jnani is that one, you will become, your mind will become more quiet in their presence. You'll just notice a natural kind of stillness sets over you. Yeah. And then number two, they will treat everyone exactly the same. Mm. And those are the two, like, you can't miss qualifications. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely get that from Paul Check. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, like, a, I'm an OCD, <laughs> like, super, like, uh, anxious energy. have to do a million things at once. always want to be working out. And when I'm in the in at Paul's home, it's it's like we can it could sit have for been eight 12 hours, hours and yeah. I'm sitting there like a, yeah. like a sponge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's that's beautiful. a great point. Well, great. That was question number one. Yeah. <laughs> one. Nice podcast, guys. Yeah. So I want to hear from you uh, and share with our listeners. You are a guy that puts a lot out. You are creating a ton. And every time we talk to you, every time we're around you, I realize again, or I remember like, holy crap, this guy does a lot. <laughs> Podcast interviews, your YouTube channel, editing videos, like your production is insane. Yeah. It's so It puts beautiful. Gaia to shame. It honestly. seriously does. <laughs> and then, you know, now with this this 4DU that I'm sure we'll, we'll get into and talk about, um, you know, I want to hear from you. What is your, what is your ideal morning routine look like? Like what are the critical elements that you need in your day to just go out and be, mm. uh, as productive as you are? Great question. You know, it's funny that people will say that a lot that well, you're doing so much, you're putting out so much. And I always feel like, whoa, I am, you know, <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I didn't know I was. For me, uh, I'm a projector on the human design scale, which apparently means you work in short bursts. You're not meant to be like an eight hour, like rise and grind, but mm-hmm. you got like, you got like three or four hours in the day you can produce. And other than that, you're, you need to be absorbing and re- rejuvenating yourself. I definitely fall into that category. So I take a lot of time with myself and with God to fill myself up. And then it's as if I just dump it all out into some kind of teaching mm-hmm. or whatever inspirational idea is coming through. So my morning routine is um, every day I'll wake up around 6 to 7, somewhere in that time frame. And I go meditate in my Zen Den. And I'll start with my um, sort of kundalini yoga, kriya yoga, breath work stuff, which I teach in 40U. Um, and then I do a deep meditation for another 30 minutes, hop on the chi machine for 15 and then I come out and read whatever book I'm reading on my patio for another 30 minutes or so. So it's like a solid two hours every morning mm. with me and God and just wow. I'm absorbing. And then from that comes all the inspiration, all the divine ideas just flow out of that. If I don't have that time, I feel um, like a well that's run dry. There's yeah. no creativity. You know, it's like God is the source of everything. So once I really understood that I think it became all about how do I spend as much time with God as Mm. possible Mm. and God does the rest really like I don't have to think about what ideas to create they just kind of come through love it love that yeah where is uh mushy love fitting in there oh yeah (laughs) before I go read I get my mushy love (laughs) love it and what how do you make your mushy love oh man we put a bunch of stuff oh (laughs) yeah we love loading it up we do so we do mushy we do um uh shilajit 
what do you want? A coffee bomb, mm. uh, collagen peptide coffee bomb. Yeah. And then we put Harmony, mm. um, some organic maple syrup, and a little bit of Laird's. Okay. Nice. That's our cocktail. Oh, I've, been that's mixing, I've been mixing it with Harmony lately as well, and it's, it's delicious. Great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mix it with uh, Organifi Chocolate Protein also. I've, I do that too sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's the great part about it. You can pretty much do anything yeah. with Literally, it. Literally. It's yeah. so versatile. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Love that. Um, there's a question that I don't think we've addressed on a podcast before, but you put out some content around this area, around this topic, and um, it's a it's a personal interest, passion. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on aliens, <laughs> extraterrestrials? Um, it seems like like it's something that we've always, even since we were you know in high school and we were kids, yeah. we've we've you know looked for aliens out at the lake on the end of the dock, <laughs> staring up at the stars. We're like, come on, we'll show wa- us. We'll watch pretty much any documentary that has something to do with aliens. Um, but like wildly in 2022, it's extremely relevant mm-hmm. and it's showing up in, in mainstream culture, not as a joke, but as something legitimate. And even our government, which actually is a red flag to me at this point, yeah. totally. if, our, if our government is like, yeah. yeah, we're looking into these things, yeah. I'm starting to uh, uh, feel less legitimate about it than I did yeah. when I was watching, you know, ancient civilization <laughs> yeah. uh, aliens when I was in high school. So what are your, and I know you have some, some thoughts on this as well as it pertains to your, your study and, and, and how you teach. What are your thoughts on aliens? What are, what are their roles, if any, in, in the human experience that we are a part of? Yeah. You know, the word alien like always makes them sound so separate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just not a great word for them. <clears throat> but if, you, if you're familiar with my content at all, then you'll obviously know my answer to these questions. But um, I, I like to use the word or the term higher density beings mm-hmm. because <clears throat> they're just beings like us who live in the same universe as us. And, you know, a few hundred years ago, it was a huge deal. If you contacted somebody from another continent, right? Like Columbus and yeah. stuff is, Whoa, another a person from another continent. It's right. like another planet. Right. And then it became like common. We fly across continents all the time now. Big deal. It will be like that, right? With extraterrestrials at some point, other planets, once we learn, you know, anti-gravity transportation or whatever it is, we're going to f- go to other planets all the time, just like we travel to other countries and interact with other beings, uh, maybe in a thousand years or something, but in not too distant future, that'll be normal. So like, let's start seeing these beings as just fellow beings in the universe who are of a higher density. Uh, those not familiar with that term from the law of one, it basically just means a higher level of consciousness. And they are they are definitely here to be of service and let's not get that twisted, right? Let's not buy into the propaganda that we see from government out outlets and whatnot of are we spo- UFO spotted in, in Nevada. We're not sure if it's friendly or, or yeah. harmful. Mm-hmm. It's like guys, if they wanted, if they had any harmful yeah. intentions, we're all on a slave planet <laughs> in Mars <laughs> yesterday. Like yeah. we have no chance at, at militarily defending ourselves from beings that can come here from other star systems right so if they're here at all it's definitely not because they have bad intentions Mm -hmm. but what the law of one goes into as you guys know is that and you know this is what's so beautiful about the law of one is that we have all these questions in science about extraterrestrials like the fermi paradox fermi paradox says if the universe is as infinite as it appears to be in our telescopes then we should definitely see aliens everywhere we should be zipping around everywhere. Why don't we see aliens? And skeptical scientists will use the Fermi paradox to be like, well, you know, we must be all alone. 
Yeah. But it's like that's way to have no nuance right. in your thinking mm-hmm. at all. Right. Like yeah. what the law of one says is that the nature of the universe we live in is far grander than we've conceived of. And the way it's laid out is that this planet we're on is a third density planet. And out of the seven densities, the third density correlating to the third chakra is the density of choosing where beings on their soul's, you know, reincarnative journey are here to decide which polarity they want to be. That's basically the whole purpose of third Mm -hmm. density. Do you want to be a positively polarized soul being or a negatively polarized soul? And this is just basic chemistry, right? There's two polarities. An electron could be positive or negative in its charge. And physics says that a particle doesn't have any ability to do work, which means to create change in the environment, unless it has a charge. If, if a particle is not charged, it can't do work. It can't affect anything. So it needs a charge. Well, if we're made of quantum particles, maybe we're kind of like that. And the law of one says we are like that. Until we choose a polarity, we can't create change in consciousness meaning we can't communicate in consciousness, we can't make things levitate, we can't heal, we can't do anything supernatural unless we're choosing one of those two polarities. And actually, the the abilities that each polarity has are very different. So the positive path has what we would classically call the supernatural powers of bilocation, telepathy, all the clair, clairaudient, clairsentient, healing, um, levitation. The negative path has powers Uh, incredible powers of mind warping, distortion, deception, deceit, manipulation. Mm -hmm. So they can create false imagery and stuff. So there's very different consequences based on which path you choose. But to come back to the main question is that we're here to choose a polarity. And because that has to be a free will decision, nobody, nobody can force you to choose a polarity. It needs to be organic. The creator, uh, puts a, what they call a veil or a, um, uh, a shield or whatever, an energetic barrier around the planet that protects the planet from too much interference from negative beings, Mm. because negative beings would definitely come here to manipulate Mm -hmm. which decision you make. But positive beings are all about respecting free will. So they're not going to do that. What they will do is they'll hang out in your skies, kind of gently introduce their presence to you and say, Hey, like we're up here, but we're not, we, we come of good intentions. We're obviously not here to take you guys out. And they've been hanging out with us long enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's like, there's like newspapers from the late 1800s where it's like objects in the sky and they're drawing them. You're like, that's UFOs. Like Mm -hmm. they've been here forever. Yeah. So they're, I think they're trying to acclimate us to their presence and waiting for our decision of when we're finally able to say, okay, we acknowledge you. We collectively want to have a relationship with you come hang out with us. Yeah. And yeah. then they'll say, okay, we'll honor that. But they're not going to come land of their own free will because that would be considered infringement. A lot of our planets, super religious, that would violate all their religious beliefs, yeah. yep. turn their worldview upside down. A lot of people are terrified of ETs. They buy the propaganda, a lot of fear. So that would also be a violation. So until at least a certain tipping point is reached, I think, the ETs are just going to be hanging out with us, kind of holding space for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until we evolve enough to understand who they really are. So we're in a, a pretty amazing time, I think, where government's acknowledging this stuff, which means it no longer is a taboo subject. It's no longer a tinfoil hat subject. But I think the most amazing thing I've seen recently was that um, CERN, the particle collider CERN mm. from, uh, I think it's in Amsterdam or yes. something. Yeah. They just came out and said that they confirmed that they are communicating with entities 
in other dimensions through no. through their particle collider, like wow. entities that have some kind of personality and, and wow. communicate to them. Hey friend, I wanted to change the subject for just a minute to read something really important to you. This is feedback we received from a woman named Kelly, one of our amazing users of Immune Intel AHCC. She says, so I've been taking AHCC for a little bit over a month and my skin has never looked so good. I am 35 and have suffered from hormonal acne since I was a teenager. I thought I would never get rid of my acne. I just had my period and I have absolutely no pimples around my chin or jawline and my melasma is finally clearing up too. I have tried countless prescription and over-the-counter medications and have seen so many dermatologists with little improvement. Also, I feel like my hormones have balanced out. I am less irritable, as well as less inflammation going on in my body, decreased back pain, and bloating. I'm so glad I came across you on Instagram. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Okay, here's one more, just because they light me up so much to share with you. This beauty is staying anonymous. She says, I learned about Immune Intel AHCC from you on a podcast, and in four months, it helped clear my persistent high-risk HPV that I've had for seven years. I love these two testimonials next to each other because it's a testament to the balancing and normalizing effect that AHCC has in each individual body. One woman was supported with her acne flares and the other had support in clearing her high-risk HPV. I am consistently amazed by the power and intelligence of AHCC. To try Immune Intel for yourself, go to themedicine.com forward slash products, or just check the show notes below. Cheers, my love. Wow. So it, we're, we're headed into some crazy discoveries. It's really exciting. And what's funny is, um, you know, having been on a spiritual path over the last three or four years, I can't help but see how much spirituality is in this as it becomes mm -hmm. more and more relevant. And I, there's no way in hell I would have looked th at this 10 years ago, even five or six years ago, through this, you know, potential um, opportunity for for a spiritual connection yeah. with, right. with these entities. Rather than just like a fun spectacle to talk about. Right. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been the, the mainstream depiction of, you know, these are gooey, slimy, green <laughs> things yeah. that could look like, you know, your worst nightmare or yeah. or a tiny little Martian cute stuffed yeah. animal <laughs> and, and w what's fun is like i think and it's funny because nobody is looking at it like this unless you're in the spiritual community right um even even some of the people who are like really really involved like i think jeremy corbell yep. is, is one uh, even, like tom uh tom from blink 182 tom, tom DeLong, yeah. yeah is like super <laughs> into it um and, and i'm yet to hear much from them even on yeah how we can Maybe Learn. we have been communicating with them for a long time through raising yeah. our consciousness, but how it could be an invitation, like mm -hmm. a, a literal invitation for us to not only, you know, lift our vibe, raise our consciousness, but open up the paradigm and completely shift the paradigm of how we see the world, yeah. our, our worldview, our universe view. And um, I think it's just an opportunity. Yeah. It, what, when you were speaking, what came up for me was, the the saying the phrase that we all know it's like when the student is ready the teacher will appear yeah and what I'm hearing you say and uh, what I've heard on you know some of your videos before is like 
the, the last thing they want to do if they're positively polarized is to infringe upon the free will because that's like <laughs> that is like rule number one it's it actually like, depolarizes them yeah mm. yes yeah. yes thank you for that reminder um and so if they were to come land here what you're saying is is all the people who believe that God created the earth in seven days, that the, that, yeah. that the Garden of Eden was the origin of creation, that Adam and Eve, this, that, and this, and that Jesus died for all of our sins and, yeah. you know, kind of, or whatever other religion, right? Yeah. Aliens are not um, recognized in the Bible, even though there's references all over the place that, yeah. that, that we know about, but they're not really recognized by the church the church at large, the global church. They call them angels in the Bible. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so I think that, yeah, however long that's going to take for us, for the majority of the collective to realize like, hey, we aren't alone. And there's yeah. a lot more to the story than what's in this book. Yeah. Uh, this book being the Bible or whatever religious text yeah. that you subscribe to. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm hearing is like when the students... <laughs> human totally. students are ready i think that yeah a- and it's like man how are how are they they the higher uh higher density beings gonna know are they just are they just that tuned in that they can watch us and oh, yeah. that and they see what we're doing and like oh they haven't had war in 200 years they must be evolving yeah. like there's a lot of things that in, in your opinion what are they looking at on the earth? When you get to 10,000 followers or more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they're observing our human nature, what do you think that they're looking at that's that's proving to them that we're not ready yet to experience yeah. high density beings? Well, I think it I think it is actually mathematical for them. I think that they can actually measure the energy field of the planet and how polarized it is, and it's mm. like literally a math equation because in the law of one they ask Ra about it, and Ra says, like, we measure based upon the law of squares and stuff, and they kind of go into the math of it. But in a more, you know, simplified way, I think the, maybe the biggest one is when we stop conceding to live on a slave planet. Hmm. Because that's a big part of our free will is we do live on a slave planet right now. Most people don't realize it because they're so in agreement with it. They've so outsourced their freedom and their power to the ruling elites that they don't even realize they're a slave to them. Yeah. And that's a kind of subconscious agreement that they won't violate because if our planet wants to become a service to self negatively polarized planet, the positive beings will totally let that happen. Yeah. All is the creator. Nothing's ever lost, right? The mm-hmm. negative plays its role just like the positive. Yep. But our planet is apparently becoming is a positively polarized planet and will continue to move that direction. And as that happens, uh, in, in 2012, Ra says we, we made this shift from third density to fourth density positive. But it's a long journey to purge all of the third density karma on our planet, mm-hmm. all the slavery, all the manipulation, deceit, and stuff. Yeah. And so our economic systems, our government systems, everything is set up service to self. It's all top down. It's pyramid scheme, right? Mm-hmm. That's why even on the dollar bill, you have the all-seeing eye at the top of the pyramid, the the Freemasons or who, whatever group it was that that created the... Uh, Federal Reserve System that made these banknotes, they put that on there to be like, hey, we at the top control everything and Mm -hmm. we see everything and we know everything and you're all at the bottom of the pyramid. Well, until humanity wakes up to the fact that that's the system we're in, the ETs really can't interfere with that because we actually have an agreement. Mm -hmm. So with the, the pandemic and all this stuff we're seeing happen in the world, we're seeing this tectonic shifting of consciousness 
where millions of people by the day almost are waking up to this and going, hey, we don't want you people to rule over us like this. We want a world of fairness, equality, and harmony and unity, which really just means we have to build it. Yeah. We definitely can't rely on them to do it. And so I think positively polarized ETs are also waiting to see, I don't think it has to be a complete transition, but a certain amount of maybe it's like 51% of the planet or more are in this stream of consciousness of moving towards freedom and unity for all and a fair world and stuff and actively creating it. And then I think they'll probably start interacting with us a lot more and maybe not through landing on mm -hmm. the front lawn of the White House or something, but maybe by channeling more texts like the law mm -hmm. of one, yeah. giving yeah. more information, free energy technology and all this stuff that would quickly yeah. liberate humanity. And we know there's so many free energy devices that have been invented that get squashed, squashed immediately. Yep. Yeah. That stuff, when that stuff comes to light, it's going to liberate humanity in a huge way. Yeah. I think about the last two and a half, almost three years now. I feel like I'm like, wow, it's been three years since, I know, right? since the beginning of the, the global crisis. Um, it seems like kind of in hindsight, looking back, that of course it was, there was so much tragedy and death and, you know, um, destruction and things like that. But there was also a lot of good that came out of it, um, oh, yeah. a lot of positive aspects. Um, I think it's the best thing that could have happened to humanity. Yeah. Well, it, I think, yeah, I think that it, it, it sped things up because there's a lot of people who were, you know, kind of totally um, unaware yeah. that what you're talking about, like being a slave to the system. I was one unaware. I mean, we all are know. until we yeah. aren't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's like, it created this this massive chasm that we all had to fall into, but quickly we realize we're in this chasm, and then a lot of us are like, "Fuck, I'm getting out of here," yeah. you know. But we don't know until we know, and so uh, I think that it's uh, over the last three years. I feel like there's been like a big shift happening where more people are, you know, just a small example, like deciding, like, you know what, I'm going to take control of my health. And that's yeah. where it starts is your body and how you show up for yourself and, and take, uh, take ownership. Yes. You yeah. know, it has to start with you as the individual. Keep pulling on the thread because it is every lane. I think that's for those who did and for those who looked past the surface during the pandemic, they took this one lane of their life, which had to do with, um, you know, health. Or maybe it was business because so many people's businesses and their livelihoods were impacted. And they pulled on the thread a little bit. Like, wait, this doesn't totally seem rational uh, mm -hmm. as far as like what I'm being told to do here. I might be outsourcing mm -hmm. rationale and logic to a larger authority. That's not working for me. <laughs> maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your health. Yeah. And I think once you push once you pull on the thread and you see that it's empty on the other side yeah and you're like damn this this authority that i've outsourced for a long time trusting that it will take care of me in in my occupation they shut down my business and i've been i've been out of work I, my literally my business went uh went in the tank yeah and then you start to look you know looking at yourself in this wheel of life lane where else have i done that okay my health as well there i'm expected to outsource to authority Okay, education. I'm expected to outsource to the authority, the education authority. 
bringing it back to Terrence McKenna, he says, <laughs> uh, authority <laughs> is a lie. Authority yeah. is an abomination. It is, yeah. y- you can't trust authority. Um, what, what else does he say where he's like, um, authority is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Abomination. You may be sure of it. He circles it back to (laughs) trust yourself, you know, like trust yourself. And I think that is the thing in this, in this crisis, there's been many who've been like, damn, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have one, a a fulfilling life. Uh, if I just continue to do this, um, he literally encourages people to stand up and yell bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the face of authority. It's like, no, you don't know better than me. What is what is best for me? But it's like the Oof. indirect impact of so much of this, even though it's been a health crisis, has been a holistic reframe and a holistic reevaluation, if you so choose, of your life. Because the themes are the same in every lane. Yeah. It's, damn, I'm outsourcing. I'm expected to outsource. I'm programmed to outsource but I have the capacity and the capability of decision-making on my own. Yeah. yeah. You guys familiar with um, Yaomi Ye- Park, hmm. the, the woman who escaped North Korea? Oh, oh yes. yes. Rogan and yep. stuff. Yeah. So like her story is a great analogy for this of let's not believe or think for a second we understand the world we live in completely, right? Because mm-hmm. she was born in a world that she thought she understood and people starving on the streets, children with rib cages and spines yeah. bursting out of their body was normal. That just, that's just the way life is, man. Yeah. And she didn't even know there was a world outside of there that was thriving and burgeoning yeah. with success and wealth. And, you know, the average person could go on a nice vacation. That was inconceivable to somebody in North Korea. Only the holy man, the Kim Jong-un, can ever deserve something yeah. like that. And when she escaped, the, you know, the Matrix moment happened of, oh, wow, I was born into a lie. And we should all assume that we're born into a lie. Because the truth is right in front of our face, right, all the time. But the service to self path literally exists for the sole purpose of deceiving and taking power over others. Mm -hmm. They have no power at all if they don't take it from someone. So the ruling elites in the world, the the financial elites, they, they appear to be so powerful. You know, you look at the World Economic Forum and all these billionaires on stage who are like, this is how we're going to dominate you. And you're like, oh, I'm so terrified. Wait a minute. (laughs) These guys are no different than us. They have absolutely no power we don't give them. And so all we have to do is learn how we're giving them power and stop Mm -hmm. doing that. And they'll shrivel and shrink like a raisin out of of power because they don't have any of themselves. They're not a positively polarized being. They have no love for others. They don't see others as one with them. Therefore, they're devoid of power. All they have is force which is control manipulation. So it's actually not a hard transition to make if we realize the game that's being played. We just stop feeding the negative path. Mm -hmm. But that takes a lot of awareness, a lot of waking up, a lot of swallowing hard pills. Like you don't know everything you thought you knew. You're not as independent as you thought. You have outsourced your power and freedom in a lot of ways you didn't realize. It takes humility, right? And the difficulty we're at in humanity right now is that the ego is still too large in the collective consciousness for enough people to really accept that of like, I've been played, I've been fooled, I've been taken for a fool, I've been enslaved. People don't want to accept that stuff. Mm -hmm. Let me just keep the scales over my eyes and just live my life and don't bother me. You know, and that's what the service to self path counts on, right? They count on you not wanting to take your power back enough to stop them. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so we are taking our power back right now. And I think I can't imagine that this goes on for another hundred years before we turn the tides in a drastic way. So I'm very positive. I'm very bullish on yeah. humanity's yeah. future. So, so what would you say to someone where the, you know, facing the world economic forum and the, the Uber elites 
is a little too daunting or maybe it's a little too intense for them in this mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And so instead of going from zero to a hundred, what are practical ways in their life that they can begin to, you know, take the power back as rage against the machine would, would yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny watching, you know, humanity right now. It feels like you're watching a movie almost right of yeah. how's this thing going to play out. And the solution to me is really so simple, which is love. Uh, lo love is the one missing ingredient, right? That would neutralize all of this division and terror we see happening in the world because people aren't living from or leading from love. It's all division and separation. And I, I think about if the left and the right, let's say, could just agree on one concept, which is that we're both beings of infinite worth and value. And so regardless of what we think or believe, like you inherently have value because you exist. Like that would be the most basic mm -hmm. loving concept yeah. to have, right? That should be obvious, but yeah. it's not obvious. But if we just live from that place, like if this person knows that I love them and I'm just listening to what they have to say and they're expressing all their far left opinions and maybe I have far right opinions, but I can just love them and listen to them and say, okay, well, thank you for expressing that. And I, I understand where you're coming from. Like, here's how I see it. And like, tell me why you think that this is, I'm off here. Like, da 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 And you mm -hmm. explain your point. How quickly would we come together? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be so easy, yeah. right? We just need to have conversations. Yeah. And that's why the service to self-path has to divide the population to get them to hate each other so much yeah. that they wouldn't even think about talking yeah. to each other. Present the other as evil. Yes. As like... How could you, you soulless being, how yes. could you not support a mother and a woman in her choice over her body? And then the other side is saying, how could you not want to save the life of a tiny baby, yep. you soulless monster? And they don't see that both sides from each of their perspectives are coming at the issue from a place of love. Yeah. One is coming at it from, I want to support the mother. One is coming at it from, I want to save a life. Yeah. Both are love. But they don't see that about each other. Right. They see a monster. And once you step out and become politically homeless, like we have, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so easy to see. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, putting down anyone that is left or right or identifies as either whatever. But what you're saying, maybe try to, when you sit down to have a conversation, whether it be a friend or a family member or a stranger, seek to learn, like actually turn on that curiosity yeah. button rather than seeking to convince. Well, and, and yeah. if you're, if you're using your example of the, you know, debate of left and right of, of it's abortion, a, it's abortion. Yeah. If you are aligned in the sense that it's coming from a place of love, the, our friend Jonathan Bluestein would say consciousness and love is up and down. The reason we don't, we, you shouldn't focus on politics if your primary objective is the pursuit of love yeah. is because politics is left and right. And love and consciousness is up and down. It's a completely separate axis. Mm -hmm. And so we are stuck in this circle where we're just spinning in a circle totally. or treading water left to right, left to right. You know, it just depends on what era we're in, whether, you know, liberal is truly left, you know, who knows? These, these things <laughs> transition knows, anyway. uh, uh, all the time. But if you're actually saying that your priority is love, it is consciousness, it, it operates on a completely separate axis. It's a completely separate scale. Mm -hmm. And so like the proof is even literally in the words left and right. 
does left and right actually turn into progress? Does it turn into ov uh, evolution? Directionally, no, mm -hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. And I think that, that if we are to find alignment on the things that we do um, have you know, synchronicity with, it would be literally focusing and changing the way that we even directionally think of progress. Yeah. Hey, homie, if you've listened to the medicine podcast for a while now, you know that Chase and I are extremely selective when it comes to the mushroom products we recommend. This is because after years of researching the mushroom space, we honestly were disappointed to find out that the large majority of these products are diluted and bulked up with grain-based fillers which led to us creating our own mushroom elixir, Mushy Love Cinnamon Swirl Latte. We were committed to formulating one that is delicious and high quality, one that has a clean organic ingredient list, no gut or hormone disruptors, absolutely zero fillers, and a hefty dose of pure medicinal mushrooms. Mushy Love Latte is the result. This is a blendable, caffeine-free mushroom elixir with 500 milligrams each of incredible mushrooms, chaga and tremella. That is at least two to three times more mushrooms than other very popular mushroom brands out there to support your gut health, immunity, skin hydration, and beauty. Oh, and it tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll, y'all. Just blend one to two scoops with your favorite steamed milk and you have a delicious elixir that you can drink any time of day. You can also blend a scoop into your morning coffee as a creamer with a cinnamon swirl twist. To try Mushy Love Latte for yourself, go to getmushylove.com and use the code MEDICINE, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for 10% off your subscription or one-time order. Again, getmushylove.com, use the code MEDICINE. Mushy Love is highest quality mushrooms and highest quality love. Enjoy. The labels is what kills us. Yeah. That uh, you have to label to create an enemy. And so that's where you get the like, uh, I, th my side, we're the extremely virtuous side. That side is pure evil and that's only because I've called myself left or right and they're the other side. If it's, if there's no more labels, then we're all just beings. We're all just people and you can't dehumanize others like mm -hmm. that. So the, to me, the service to self path uh, really only has two ways to control, which is language and money or currency, right? Uh, lang confusing language and using language as a tool, propaganda, conspiracy theory, or like anything yeah. that goes against the mainstream narrative. Let's use the word conspiracy theory because that'll make people's egos feel embarrassed to believe it because, oh, I don't want to be someone who's labeled as that. Yeah. And then they won't look towards truth anymore. And we have them uh, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Whatever we say, they'll believe it. So it's amazingly powerful deception tools that actually become like child's toys once you wake up to the yeah. reality of things. It's, it's not hard to be self-aware if you have a little bit of humility. If you're willing to say, oh, yeah, I was wrong about that for sure. Oh, I didn't see that before. So love is important because love brings humility. Mm -hmm. You can't be loving to someone if you're not humble, right? If you're not willing to say I'm sorry or to listen or hold space for somebody. Those are all things that humility does. So I love ACIM, obviously, 
as a teacher of ACAM, because forgiveness to me is the path to freedom, to healing on this planet. Uh, for, and it's not, I forgive you because you've been so bad and right. I've been on the good side. Yeah. No, no, no. This I'll allow this. Yeah. Yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah. ACIM, just for anyone listening who doesn't know, is A Course in Miracles. Yeah. 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 It's, it's self-forgiveness is what we need. I'm sorry that I was so blind. I was so cut off. I was so cold. I couldn't, um, I couldn't listen. You know, those are the things we have to forgive ourselves for, for the division we've created. You really can't forgive somebody else because from the highest position of who you really are, you are uh, an extension of the source. You're eternal. So nothing can ever really happen to you, right, in this lifetime. Sure, somebody can abuse or kill your physical body, but guess what? You're an eternal being. So you've had a thousand lifetimes before this. You've probably had lots of, you know, horrible things happen to your bodies in those lifetimes. And yet here you are and you have no reference of those memories anymore. You're just this, you just think you're this person. So the person is limited. The person's not an eternal being. The soul that you are that comes into the body is the eternal. And that, um, that can't be harmed or affected, right? So when you know who you are as a spiritual divine being, then all forgiveness is just self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. No one's ever actually done anything to me, but I have done things to myself by giving my power away, um, judging my brother or my sister, having hateful thoughts in my heart, cutting myself off from love, from the universe, only I have done those things. Mm-hmm. Like nobody can force me to be judgmental. You know, those are decisions I made based in my ignorance. Forgiveness, um, the law of one says this as well, is the only device that actually absolves karma. Hmm. Karma being the energetic inertia we create when we do bad actions. Mm-hmm. When we hold hateful thoughts or judgmental thoughts, we create what we might call negative karma which means that every trace of negative energy I create, whether in thought, deed, or action, uh, will eventually come back to me so that I can re-experience my actions Mm -hmm. and thoughts and have a better vantage point or view of, do I really want to live that way? Mm -hmm. Do I really want to have those thoughts? If we didn't have some kind of mirror, right? Like some kind of feedback device, we wouldn't really know what anything meant or what the consequences of any actions are. We wouldn't know why love is better than hate, Mm -hmm. you know? So karma is the law of attraction or reflection that keeps all energy coming back to you. So the only thing that stops all that negative energy I've put out, and again, every negative thought you've ever thought down to every negative action you've committed will come back to you in Mm -hmm. some form. People wonder why they're depressed, why they're angry, why they feel hopeless. Well, think about all the bad thoughts you've been thinking about towards other people, towards life. Life is so unfair. Well, you'll have to experience that now, right? Paul Cech explains it as if you drop a stone into a pond, those, it it creates like ripples and those waves will ripple out until they hit the shore and then they will come back to the center point. Beautiful example. So all that stops the ripples from coming back is when you say, wait, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then the ripples are quieted. The, the lake is still again, right? It's you forgiving yourself, you mm. being willing to accept that you didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the Christ being in you, right? You become the savior of the world when you forgive the world. When you say, no, nah, I'm so sorry I judged you so much. I thought you were an evil world. I thought you were cruel and unfair. Those were my projections because mm. I'm cruel and unfair. Please forgive me, world. You're perfect and you're innocent. I've been the problem. And then you save the world in your mind by seeing it as pure. Mm. You know, that's the Christ figure ultimately. Yeah. So then how do you reconcile in that example that you just gave, which is beautiful, 
and you, you, you're, you know, basically admitting and you're wanting to forgive the world and realize that it was your projection of whatever was going on inside of you that has been not dealt with or uh, seen in a, in the, in a wrong light. How do you then not take that in and, you know, flog yourself or hold that against yourself? And this, this kind of leads into a question that I had for you, which I thought of last night, but I, I saved for the podcast. Um, a lot of different areas of self-development and spiritual development certainly are, is basically teaching people how to really feel their emotions and not stuff them down or suppress them mm -hmm. because it stays in the tissues. It can, you know, express later on in life. It can turn to resentment, bitterness, disease, cancer, like yeah. the list goes on. So, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you were just saying, how do we experience negative, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, negative emotions, say like anger and not take that on as as part of like playing into the illusion. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you, Aaron Abke, who is so centered and wise and seems like he could navigate any situation with grace. How do you navigate or do you even get angry or experience negative emotions, how do you work through that, navigate it such that you're not feeding into the illusion that could be existing? Mm -hmm. Great question. <laughs> Spiritual detoxing. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So one of the things that I teach in 4DU in the first masterclass is really about emotions a lot. Um, it's, it's called the emotional guidance system. You've probably heard that term before, but this is the game changing understanding of what we call negative emotions. I think the only real way to balance them is to understand what they are, that they're not enemies here to torment you, but they are messengers of truth that are trying to point you in the direction of where the problem is. So like if I put my hand on a hot stove, it's going to hurt my hand. That doesn't mean my hand is trying to torture me mm. by making me hurt. It's the hand is saying, whoa, big problem here. Pay attention, mm. pay yeah. attention. Here's where the problem is. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, what if our emotions are that, but for thoughts? Mm. Here's what mm. you're thinking that's hurting you. Here's what you're thinking that's damaging mm. your sense of self. Yeah. You shouldn't think those things if you want to be happy. That's why they feel bad, because bad is the opposite of happy. Yeah. So that's the emotional guidance system. And what I teach is, I call it the three beliefs of ego. Um, there's so many different ways of looking at these, but it's really just the three core negative emotions we feel as human beings that we would classify as suffering which is sadness, anger, and fear. And there's a bunch of varieties of each of those emotions, but those are just the three root energies or vibrations that we call negative. And they correlate to the lower three chakras, root, sacral, and solar plexus. And what they actually are, are energetic cues that your subtle body is sending you for when you're believing something incorrect about yourself. Mm. So people will often say, Oh, you can't trust your emotions because your emotions will lead you astray. But actually, by the time you feel bad, you've already gone astray, mm. right? And your emotions are showing you that. Your emotions are never telling you what to do. They're never dictating behavior. They're simply reflecting how you're seeing yourself, whether positive or negative. So when I, when I see myself in a way that the universe doesn't see me, that creation doesn't see me, I'll feel one of those three negative emotions. Mm. When I see myself in a way that creation agrees with, it says, yes, that is how you really are. Mm. I will feel joy, love, or peace, mm. right? Mm. 
That's a great description. So what are those three beliefs is the question. Yeah. And this was my question when that revelation dropped in years ago of, oh, I bet you anything that those three emotions are signaling three different kinds of wrong ideas or beliefs. They have to be because emotions only respond to thoughts. It like try to everyone try to feel sad without thinking yeah. about anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good, impossible. Good luck. Right. Yeah. Or get angry without thinking about anything. Don't yeah. let a single thought arise and just be overwhelmed with anger. You yeah. can't do it. Right. Right. So what are those beliefs? So the first belief of the ego, and I call it the ego because it's just the belief in separation. If I believe I'm a separate being, a separate self, uh, that's called ego. The first belief that arises after I believe I'm separate is the belief in lack or uh, I am incomplete. And this is the root chakra. This is like primal survival, right? All animals in the wild operate off this belief in lack. I have to go get food, water, shelter, a mate, whatever, but I have to keep getting things because I'm lacking them. And in the animal kingdom, they don't have the kind of self-awareness a human being has to think about their past and have an identity so they can't suffer from the belief in lack. They just feel the lack and they go find it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm hungry, I go hunt. Tired, I go sleep. For a human, we make stories about our lack. Yeah. Yeah. And they, what does it mean about me? So it's really an identity problem when you feel you're lacking something, right? Who's lacking? A person named Aaron who needs to be the best looking or whatever, right? Then you're lacking now that you have an identity. So the belief in lack will create sadness. Anytime you feel sad, I encourage you to investigate in yourself. Why do I feel sad right now? What do I believe is lacking from my life or from myself that is allowing me to feel this way? When you ask that question, you'll always find what it is very, very easily because you can't feel sad unless you think you're missing something. Mm -hmm. So that's the first belief and it creates sadness. The second belief uh, kind of flows downstream of the first one. And it's if I am lacking something, then what will fulfill my lack must be out there somewhere. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's the belief in external fulfillment, um, outcome happiness, I call it. And so that creates attachment. You, we get attached to things only because we think they're going to fulfill us. If you know, like, look back in your past at every horrible relationship you've had. <laughs> yeah. If you knew that that person was actually <laughs> going to bring you pain and misery and not love and happiness, would you now go date that person? No, right? You know that they're not a good match for you. You would not be capable of dating that person anymore yeah. if you were time traveled, right? It's only because you thought they were going to fulfill you. Mm -hmm. So that's attachment and that creates anger whenever our, our goal gets blocked, when our attachment gets blocked, when we don't get what we want, anger, right? Mm -hmm. That's ego's way of like giving you the motivation to break through that wall, go get it, go make it happen, dominate whoever it takes to get my outcome. Because the outcome is my salvation. That's the second belief of ego. And then the third one flows downstream of that, which says, okay, if I have to go out in the world and fulfill myself by acquiring pleasurable outcomes, well, then I'm the doer. I'm in control. I'm the one making life happen. I'm the one who will do those things. And that's the belief that causes fear or anxiety or stress. When you think you're in control and it's your responsibility to make anything happen, stress. Mm. When the mind thinks it's losing control, stress. When it thinks it doesn't have any control, stress, fear, yep. right? Yeah. So we have flight, fight, and freeze, you know, root chakra, sacral chakra, solar plexus chakra. Those are the th only three beliefs anyone who's ever existed has ever suffered from. Mm. 
So if you can get really aware of those beliefs in your mind, which you just do that by paying attention to how you feel. Yeah. You don't have to like look at every thought constantly. To, is that a lack thought? No, no, no. Just how you feel. Yeah. Do you feel angry? Do you feel afraid? Do you feel sad? Well, then you know exactly what belief it is. It's that mm -hmm. simple. And then once you know what belief it is, thanks to your emotional guidance system that's always helping you out, it never lets a single thought go by without showing you the problem. Mm -hmm. Then you just say, okay, let me correct that thought with the truth. And so in my master classes in 40U, I give people different um, like positive affirmations or mantras, truth statements that you can repeat to yourself until you feel that truth mm -hmm. click. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important part of the practice. People mess up on this practice only because they turn it into a ritualistic thing and they just repeat the mantra when they feel sad. But it's like, no, I want you to feel that that yeah. statement's true. Mm -hmm. You need to have that emotional shift. So I'll just give you the one example for the belief in lack. So we have lack attachment control. The belief in lack, I'll, I'll give them one of two different mantras. The first one is um, only what I do not give can ever be lacking. Mm. It's a Course in Miracles statement. Mm. So good. Everything is inside me. I only ever feel I'm lacking something because I'm not giving it. I don't love myself. Therefore, I seek love outside of me. Um, the, other, the other one that people love is, I am a perfect being in heaven here and now. Mm. How could you possibly lack anything if you knew that? Yeah. So it's like, can you repeat that until the truth in you responds to it and says, yes, I know that that's true. Well, then you've just changed your programming a little bit. You've sent an energetic message to your mind to say, I no longer want that belief. I want this mm -hmm. one. Yeah. It's the emotion that actually carries the frequency. Oh, so God good. damn. This is so good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm... I am uh, so grateful that you are able to share this with us too. Like we're sitting here just eating it up. It's just such good. Uh, it's just nourishment. Can you say the, the mantra one more time? The lack mantra? Yeah. The first one is only what I do not give or only what I have not given can ever be lacking. That's a really important one. I think for us to remember um, as we, we talk about, you know, relationships all the time on our show and you, yeah. you use that example too when I when I you know I have this girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife then I'll be happy you know mm -hmm. you're, you're outsourcing your happiness and we, we talk about that all the time uh, kind of in a codependent way and I think that's really important uh, to remember I want to kind of um, apply these concepts to maybe some real life examples because it's beautiful and it's poetic and it's clicking like Truth clicks. It Anytime it feels like it's a, a light switch that's just been turned on, you can uh, probably guess that that is truth. And were you going to say something? Well, I was going to say what, what, what's coming up for me is, as Aaron was explaining these is, and something I was thinking about earlier, we kind of get tricked into being offended in this oh. day and age. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, specifically as it pertains to politics, we're dealing with left and right issues constantly. And what's wild is that, you know, people are violently upset about topics that you would not have expected them to get upset about. Like yeah. all of a sudden your friend is like the most anti-gun individual you've, you've ever heard of. And, you know, two years ago, they probably couldn't have, have, yeah, cared less, less. Or, yeah. or severely offended by Dr. Seuss. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's that's where it's slippery because and going back to your your steps, 
they they've put their identity in yeah somebody else's definition of identity they've attached themselves to that identity and they're doing their best to control it they're safe in that version of somebody else's definition of them right thus when somebody is pro gun i'm just using examples they are immediately offended because it is part of the identity that they've been attached to and are now stressing themselves suffering trying mm-hmm. to control that identity and the attachment to that identity yeah identity is the whole problem in society right yeah. now isn't it yeah. everyone is obsessed with what are you identified as what are you identified right. as and it's like hate to break this to you not only are you not a man or a woman or a whatever <laughs> you're not even a body or a person <laughs> you know yeah so i'm curious what you think that. about you know, that's like the the huge topic. I feel like for the last two years, the topic has switched globally um, from, you know, it, last summer it was kind of, maybe it was two summers ago. I don't know. Time doesn't exist. It was kind of the Black <laughs> Lives Matter. And yep. then, you know, recently it was gun control. And like, there's always a topic at hand for people to be divided on yeah. and also for people to become overnight experts on. <laughs> yes. And so right now, as we're, you know, sitting here and we're recording this in September, yeah. um, the, the topic at hand is identity, gender identity. What is gender? What is a man? What is a woman? Are, can we be either or both or neither? I'm, I'm really curious to hear your perspective on the matter, um, just looking at it from a a higher perspective. I know that you are, what are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing as like the suffering coming out and, uh, how people are responding to it? Like, what are your root cause, root cause analysis? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the root cause analysis is, uh, I have three different definitions of the ego because I don't think there's any one that can totally encapsulate what this thing called ego is. So I like to come at it from those three different angles and each one of those three beliefs also has its own definition of a way you can see what ego really is. And, you know, you often hear if you, if you study non-duality or, or enlightenment teachings at all, you'll hear people say, well, ego doesn't exist. Ego doesn't exist. And you're like, okay, well, mine's sure kicking my ass. <laughs> yeah. So please help me see that it doesn't exist. But what that means when, when that is said is it means that ego is not an entity that actually exists that has autonomy of any kind. So what is it then? Hey friends, I'm changing the subject for just a second to invite you into an act of appreciation. If the Medicine Podcast has added value to your life in any way, maybe bringing more consciousness into your partnership, your spirituality, or the products that you choose to have in your house, we would be so grateful if you could take two minutes to write a review in Apple Podcasts. And because this means so much to us, we will send you some of our favorite products to say a big thank you. Here's what you do. When you write your genuine five-star review in Apple Podcasts, before you push submit, take a screenshot and email that to themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Remember, medicine does not have an E on the end. Themedicinepodcast at gmail.com along with your name and shipping address, we will then personally send you a special surprise thank you. It could be Real Mushrooms, Organifi, King Coffee, Keon, or even Immune Intel AHCC. It means that much to us. Cheers and love. 
Well, the first definition I give according to the belief in lack is that the ego is an activity in the mind, not an entity, but an activity. Mm. And what it is, is the mental activity of claiming or identifying. So what, what's happening in the world right now is that the ego's activity of identifying is being really juiced up by the service to self path through the media and all this stuff, all the propaganda. They're, they're trying to use gender ideology to be a, the next divisive weapon to push us farther apart. And so you've got to know what are your pronouns? Who do you identify as? Nothing is more important than that. And if you get even my pronoun wrong, you're going to shatter my whole sense of self. And my reputation and job probably. Yeah. And then I'm going to make <laughs> sure you lose your job so you can't feed your family. All over what? An imaginary sense of self that doesn't exist. Yeah. Nothing, right? It's a, it's a mental disorder mm. that everyone is infected by. It's called ego. And it just takes a higher level of awareness to see that, meaning you have to transcend your own ego to a certain degree before you can see this insanity for what it is. Mm-hmm. So through, through the first belief, it's the mental activity of identifying. The second definition is uh, through the second belief, which causes anger, uh, outcome happiness. The second definition for the ego is the mind's war against reality or the mind's conflict against Mm -hmm. reality. That's what ego is. It's the voice that always has a problem with reality as it is here and now. And why does it have a problem with reality? Because it doesn't think reality is delivering me what I need, Mm. right? Reality is not being fair to me. It's not giving me what I need to be happy. So therefore, reality itself is my enemy. Mm. Wow, Wow. good luck beating that opponent. You're just screwing yourself over if you think that. But that's, that's the second definition. And the third one, which is the belief in control or I'm the doer is the belief in personal doership. And that's the trickiest one for people to, to grasp. But I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys an analogy. You'll really appreciate to understand all this with the spiritual detoxing umbrella. The, the belief in personal doership is the belief that a wave in the ocean is waving totally and independently of the ocean, mm. right? I, by myself, alone, am waving. How long I wave for is my responsibility. The shape I take, the size, I did it. Yeah. And, of course, no, you didn't. The ocean did it. You're yeah. just what the ocean's yeah. doing. That's how we are as people, right? I, the person named Aaron, am just something the universe is doing. All my conditioning, like, did you choose the things that have happened to you? Did you choose the life, the family, the culture you were raised in? Did you choose any experience you've ever had? No, you can't possibly choose it. You'd have to know it ahead of time and then say no to it, right? Yeah. Whatever happens in the present moment is spontaneous, is a spontaneous flow of life. And nobody dictates what that is. So for you to say, I am the independent doer and controller of my life is insanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are in the flow of life being lived by life. So that's actually the mantra for belief number three. (laughs) I am being lived. When you feel stress, when you feel afraid, when you're uncertain, no, 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 no. I'm not the doer. I am being lived. Life is the all doer. Life has the power and whatever life wants to happen will happen no matter what. I don't determine how reality unfolds. Like what arrogance to think that, right? Mm -hmm. So check this out. When it comes to spiritual detoxing, here's what I mean. We, you guys know this uh, from like terrain theory. Terrain theory says, Uh, sickness only happens one of three ways, starving the body of what it needs, poisoning the body with what it doesn't need, and um, unresolved traumas, mental, psychological traumas from the things that have happened to me in the past 
that I haven't resolved that create mental and emotional toxicity, raises my cortisol, my stress hormones, those things will lead to disease as well. So starving the body, poisoning the body, and unhealed traumas. Lack, attachment, yeah. control, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starving the body is lack. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm missing something. Something I need is not here. That's the first poison, spiritual poison that we take in. Attachment, external fulfillment, poison, right? I'm, I'm chasing after things that aren't good for me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to acquire things that are actually toxic to me. The only thing that can satisfy me is God alone, right? So anything I chase is like a toxin, like eating a, a, a toxin. Yeah. And then the third one is control. And this is a little bit harder to see, but control is the belief in personal doership. So it's the ultimate belief that I'm the body. The body's doing actions, right? And I am the body. So whatever's happened to me in my life happened to me, the body. I'm the doer. It happened to me. I did that thing. It happened to me. So that's the third belief. And the third spiritual toxin is the experiences we have that we don't see from heaven's eyes will create spiritual toxicity in us Mm -hmm. until we heal them. So spiritual detoxing would be the equivalent of physical detoxing of I need to cleanse my spirit from these poisons. I need to transcend the belief that I'm lacking. I I need to stop starving my spirit, right? By believing I'm lacking. I need to stop poisoning my spirit with worldly desires and sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? And then I need to stop thinking that I'm this body that's doing everything. And so everything that happens happens to me, right? You have to find a higher point of view of yourself or you're going to feel like life is just here to kick your ass. Mm -hmm. Because in reality, what it's doing is it's teaching you, right? The body is just a learning device. That's all it is. Because you are a non-physical being. You're an eternal spirit, a pure consciousness. So how could you learn anything unless you take up a physical form and walk around in a 3D world and have experiences? So the body is very sacred and holy in that regard. It's a learning device from the source, but it's absolutely not who you are. And that shouldn't be hard to realize, right? Are you beating your heart? Are you circulating your blood? Or the other 5 billion processes happening right now? Of course you're not. Can you stop yourself from aging? Of course you can't. You're not the body. And until you know that, everything that happens to you will traumatize you and create emotional, painful memories that you have to deal with, right? And do all kinds of shadow work with. Well, like we talked about at dinner last night, the ultimate shadow work is to realize you're not the person or the body at all. Yeah. So everything has been here to teach you, but nothing has ever happened to you in that sense. Yeah, yeah. it's such a trip. And if you are listening to this and it's... Um, clicking but also at the same time hard to wrap your mind around it's okay (laughs) we've been there like there's certain aspects where i'm like i know this is true 100 percent, but you still it's like you have to practice wrapping your mind around it because it's so different than anything that we're taught you know definitely out there in the world in the mainstream in school like it's so different so like if you're if you're having (laughs) trouble completely wrapping your mind around the fact that you are not your body like just keep going with it and yeah. keep practicing. Yeah, even even the way that, you know, like I default to, uh, you know, this type of, of education, uh, but even even so much of the, the spiritual um, learnings that I've had, my default is to go, all right, cool, how can I leverage this? Like, how can I mm-hmm. control my situation there you go. with this yeah. lack of control? Personal doership. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you got it's it. completely wild. It's like um, Inception. Yeah, it is, but... but <laughs> you know, one of the things that I hear and I I take away from this is like in the same way that in health and wellness, we lean into the 
currents of life uh, to be more in sync with how nature operates. You know, the human body is very similar and, and how moments of fasting can be beneficial and moments of excess can be beneficial and, and moments of stillness and moments of exercise, this idea of yin and yang. And when I think about this as well, it's an awareness, that perspective of the viewer as to what is happening and getting, instead of letting the waves of the ocean thrash you or randomly be calm and beautiful and you walk through life haphazardly, hoping for calm water and then (laughs) hoping you can survive the tidal wave, rather taking note of, and it takes experience, but taking note of the shadow of these moments of resistance, uh, this these these moments of uh, lack, and picking up on the cyclical nature of them, these these things that happen in life, and get getting familiar with them, such that you can work with the waves. You are essentially taking note of these ups and downs in life, so that you can build the muscle to be able to swim with the ocean, work with the waves and enjoy the water, regardless of whether it's intense or whether it's serene and calm. If you're familiar with the nature of water, of life, you can learn to work with it such that you can actually swim. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's Mm -hmm. what in all of this, like, okay, this is just, this is just getting familiar with the water. It can really suck. I, I might like swallow some water and partially drown in this process. Um, but if I can pick up a few things along the way, I'm going to be able to like actually work with this. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, you know, someone playing devil's advocate or someone listening to this and doubting what you're, what you're saying or bringing up another argument that's like, okay, well, if I'm not my body, body why should I care about anything? Mm-hmm. If this isn't it, if this isn't, you know, if this, if I'm not, um, if I am not my body, why should I care? Uh, and you know, kind of this apathetic sort of attitude. And I think the antidote is exactly what you said, just reiterating that like our body is a learning vehicle and our soul is eternal and it's on this (laughs) eternal ride where it's, you know, trying to level up and it's trying to, this is like a, a spiritual kindergarten as Paul check calls earth, you know, he calls it spiritual kindergarten where we're learning and we're here and we're here to play and finger paint and do do this and do that and experience but with every experience like Ross says in the law of one is it has the potential to be a catalytic experience oh yeah. yeah and to actually learn from every experience even down to the tiniest of details of of our day can be a learning experience and so i think that is the antidote for anyone who's listening and's like well then why should i care about anything The point is to learn and to grow and to evolve our consciousness. So going into every situation, every interaction, as if we are here to learn from it. I think that's a very common response in Western culture to Eastern ideas is to be like nihilistic. Yeah. Is to be like, what's the freaking point then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we're so like, we're so outcome driven yeah but yeah you wouldn't say that to a kindergartner who's like what i have like 80 more years to live like what's the point of me doing kindergarten it's like you you right. have to you have yeah. to go through this point in your life yeah you can't skip this when 
because I teach a lot about holistic health in my in 40U and Mushy Love and all these supplements that I'm like, this is going to help you guys so much. One of the one of the most immediate ways to improve your quality of consciousness is to really take priority of your physical health because your body is the the conduit for consciousness. Mm. If you think about your soul as a non-physical, meaning it's non-local too, right? It's not anywhere. It is in the field of consciousness and it localizes itself into a single point called the body. The body is the the vessel, right? So my nervous system actually isn't creating consciousness. It's limiting consciousness enough that it can actually be in a body. Mm-hmm. So it's not everywhere all at once in the yeah. universe, right? You couldn't have an experience if you were everywhere all at once. It would be the yep. ohm forever, yep. right? Yeah. So my, my body's meant to limit consciousness, which means that if I let my body or, or make my body very unhealthy, lethargic, slow. Well, what do you think my quality of consciousness is going to be like? Right. Yeah. So when people say, oh, Aaron, if you're not the body, then why do you talk about health so much? And who cares about physical health? Shouldn't you just eat unhealthy food then? Who cares? And I'll just say, I eat healthy food instead of unhealthy food for the same reason that I hug my friends rather than slap them. (laughs) (laughs) Is that simple? Spot on. <laughs> I need that on a t-shirt. Oh my god, I've never heard that. They're always like, "Okay, enough said." <laughs> Message delivered. Oh uh, my god, that. I love that. I totally had something in my mind, and I that I was gonna say, and I can't remember <laughs> it now. Um, it was along the lines of holistic health. Oh, we have a whole episode too with you talking yeah, about yeah. how how spiritual health and physical health go hand in hand. So if this is something that you guys want to go deeper into, um, I'll put that episode in the show notes. You can check that out. But it's like an hour and a half straight talking about the the two and how they are yeah. how they yeah. are so linked. Perfect parallels, man. And, and yeah. it keeps you, you know, speaking to, if you don't take care of the physical body, I think people are waking up to realizing, like, if I don't eat healthy food, if I don't move my body, if I'm not intentional with my actions on a day-to-day basis, I will likely experience disease. Well, when you experience disease, uh, it's really, really hard. You know, just like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're going to be down in the lower chakras. You're going to be down in the, I don't even feel well. I don't want to get out of bed or I have a cancer diagnosis. Like you're not going to be able to think about the higher concepts or the, 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 um, the higher densities or the higher chakras if you're down in the dumps yeah and that that was my point of like learning to work with nature and 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 the momentum and the tide of life because um you're going to clear up barriers to entry you know you're going to clear up these things that are keeping you from having a uh you know very metaphysical experience that once you have you don't you can actually throw 50 books away trying to rationalize your way to understanding divinity or understanding God yeah. by simply connecting, whether that be through meditation or plant medicine or even just the, the presence of, of uh, like a like a guru or, or even just a divine connection with other human beings. When you eliminate those um, barriers to entry, you're going to yeah. com- like have these moments more often. You're going to find them uh, seemingly with, with more, uh, almost like you're navigating, you're able to pick up on, on, prints and things in nature and like find your way through this maze of life to moments of of meaning Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just you know fingers crossed hope something good happens to me today i love that phrase barriers to entry that's a great way of looking at it what what i essentially teach in 40 university is the whole the whole academy is set up to be a 
gradual kundalini awakening process mm. uh, it's three different master classes uh, the first two are two months the last one is three months and it we spend four months building a really strong foundation of uh, understanding your mind understanding like the three beliefs of ego emotional guidance system here's how you deal with things that come up because man when you get ready to awaken kundalini it's gonna mm. set off a firestorm of all your traumas unhealed stuff all your shadows Kundalini is here to take you to the next density of consciousness. And so all the third density stuff has to be purged, has mm -hmm. to be gotten rid of. So you can be in that state of consciousness called the fourth density, which is just the density of love, understanding and oneness. So the easiest way to, to see it is through the densities model is third density is the density of separation. This is where mankind has been for 75,000 years or whatever. I think I'm separate from you, meaning my tribe has to d defeat your tribe and take your land. And it's this constant battle between humans because we think we're separate from each other. Well, consciousness experiences that hell hole for however long until it starts to realize through the painful experience that it brings. Hey, you know what? Yeah, maybe it's true that we're all experiencing different bodies and different places and cultures, but we're definitely all one essence. Mm -hmm. Right. We're definitely all one great energy knowing itself and things will probably go a lot better for us if we love each other mm -hmm. rather than kill each other. That's when consciousness, the, vib the vibration of consciousness literally picks up enough to understand the value of love. You know, for definitely less than half of the planet, but for, you know, let's say 30% of the planet that may be in that vibration right now that truly understands love is the highest truth, love is the way, right? Um, that's only because they've experienced enough of the karma of third density. Mm -hmm. They've learned their lessons and past lives and stuff. So it's like nobody can avoid these catalysts, these life lessons. Your life is here to teach you this. Hey friend, quick question. Are you on your path of self-discovery and development, but find yourself wishing you had more people around you doing the same? Maybe you've made strides in your own life, but you wish you had a more robust community of conscious individuals. I get it. <laughs> it was one thing that was sorely missing in Chase and I's marriage, a positive conscious community. We were lonely and it really started to affect us negatively. If this is resonating, I have a special invitation just for you. For the last two years, Chase and I have been attending workshops at Paul Check's house in Rainbow, California. Paul Check is an internationally renowned holistic health, fitness, and personal development expert. And each workshop has been completely unique. Mandala painting, archetypes and symbols, breath work, cold plunge, sound healing, dream interpretation, and so many more. These have had a profound effect on us individually, together, and for the future we are creating. They're always filled with new material for my soul, incredible home-cooked organic meals, and the people we meet are truly mind-blowing. So the next workshop is one that people have been begging Paul to create for a very long time. It's the Tarot Workshop on Friday and Saturday, November 4th and 5th. Paul will be teaching us all how to connect deeply with our soul and use tarot cards as a tool to hear what our soul is telling us, helping us to understand the cards as archetypes and how they apply to our own life. 
They're offering this workshop in person and online. Chase and I will be there in person. And we are personally inviting you to come hang with us, learn from Paul, and build your community of aligned conscious souls. To register, you can find the direct link in the show notes below, or you can always DM me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine to learn more or ask me questions. We hope to see some of you there and get to hug you in person. Cheers. But when you get the message, you can, you can hang up the phone and just say, okay, I'm committing to love. Like I'll forgive everyone. I'll love everyone. That's only possible to someone who's entering that fourth density vibration. So that's why nobody's guilty, right? You can't say, oh, you stupid third density person. That's like saying you stupid second grader. You can't pass trigonometry. Yeah. Like they just can't. It's not their fault. But life will keep delivering them experiences until they realize the truth. Mm-hmm. And so this amazing phenomenon happens. And for, for thousands of years on this planet, we've called it Kundalini awakening. But what it actually is, is the body's fourth density energy lying dormant in the nervous Mm. system coming into activation when enough spiritual progress is gained a certain message is sent through the nervous system that says hey this being is entering a higher level of consciousness it's a higher frequency which means the whole body has to be upgraded to conduct that frequency Mm. so that's why bliss and oneness experiences and love these are really hard vibrational states for most people to maintain for very long. Mm-hmm. You may have a blissful oneness experience out in nature and it's like 30 minutes at best and then you're back down yeah. to default mode network yeah. of my problems and suffering. Yeah. That's because you're, literally your nervous system didn't have the bandwidth to conduct yeah. that energy for very long. It burnt out, right? There's not enough RPMs in that engine. Yep. So how do we get enough RPMs in the engine? Kundalini. That's the the evolutionary purpose of that energy. And so in the ancient yogic traditions, it's awakened through all these advanced yoga practices. A lot of breath work, bandhas, asanas, all kinds of yoga practices that are designed to stimulate the body to begin waking that energy up. Mm. But again, that will set off. It's like like you're guaranteeing a dark night of the soul, right? Mm. When you have that energy awaken, because Shakti is the divine feminine and she's here, she gets down to business when she wakes up. She, you know, she's the root chakra. Uh, Shiva, the, the masculine, is the third eye. Mm. She makes her way up to the third eye, up the spine, to her lover, Shiva. So the divine feminine and masculine find union in you, and you become a balanced being. Now you can, be a f- you can graduate to the fourth mm. density. Mm. So what I do in Forty University is... Uh, we again, we lay the foundation of understanding the mind, and then we do two months of deep meditation practice. It's called meditation mastery. So we have we've built some foundation for feminine and masculine, and then once we have a little bit of a foundation, we start those advanced yoga practices. We learn about this energy. We learn how and why it awakens. Not all of it's physical. A lot of it's um, you know psychological and spiritual in terms of like. Um, like bhakti, for example, is a really potent way to wake up kundalini. Bhakti is the term for devotion in Sanskrit. So bhakti yoga is the practice where one endeavors to just fall madly in love with the divine and everything they do becomes an act of worship, right? Very much like almost a Christian thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how Christians see Jesus. Yeah. That is actually a really potent energy uh, for kundalini to awaken because it's a very feminine energy. And that's why a lot of people in evangelical Christianity have kundalini awakenings, like Mm. spontaneously. 
So we teach from a lot of different angles, but it's this kind of systematic three month process of here's how we upgrade the nervous system by doing breath work and yoga every single day by minding our, our, the spiritual side of things like our life experiences, our beliefs and our thoughts. I put it all together in this kind of packaged program that is meant to help facilitate people to awaken that energy because that I think more than anything else will take our planet to mm. a truly fourth density world is every being who wakes up their Kundalini and truly becomes fourth density in this lifetime, you are emitting such a powerful frequency that affects the collective consciousness. Yeah. And David Hawkins is a great resource for this because he kind of mapped this out. Yeah, He says a being at 500, which is the level of love, that would be the fourth density level. Um, their energy alone, the amount of energy they produce in consciousness will offset 750,000 people who are below 200 wow. in the negative realms, right? Wow. So we make a huge impact on the collective yeah. just by waking up ourselves. What, um, what are some, you know, examples of what that might feel like for people? Like, uh, you know, breath work, you've got this, this crazy buzz, you know, you're, you're, literally fingers are tightening and there's like energy blasting out of your palms. <laughs> um, maybe you've, you know, had a psychoactive experience through mm, something like mushrooms. Um, but maybe it's like, you know, if you grew up like we did in evangelical church, you, you get a, uh, you know, worship on a Sunday and, yeah. and it's very lively and you're feeling this, this lift in energy from the collective that is, uh, you know, palpable. It, yeah. are, the, are these some examples of what that, can look like oh, to yeah. familiarize people. Yeah, absolutely. And this could definitely be a whole podcast, you mm -hmm. guys. We could, yeah. we could geek out yeah. on this forever. Um, so in, in the science of Kundalini, we have two nadis, they're called, on the um, opposite sides of the spine. The Pingala nadi on the right side is the masculine energy. The Ida nali, um, nadi on the left side is the feminine nadi. So those carry the two energies. Ra calls them the upward spiraling and downward mm -hmm. spiraling. Um, where those two energies meet in the chakras determines how spiritually advanced a being is. Mm. So if your energies are meeting all the way down at the root or the sacral chakra, you're not a very conscious being, right? Because your yeah. upward spiraling energy is barely making it, it's not even making it past the navel, right? It, you need more energy, right? So you have to do spiritual practices to and heal yourself to get that energy through those blockages so it can make it up to the third eye or, or higher. So what I begin everybody with is a practice called Kriya Yoga, which is essentially just spinal breathing. You sit in a meditation posture and you breathe a long, slow inhale and you feel the energy coming up your spine all the way to the third eye. Hold the breath and then you exhale and you feel it going down the spine, uh, cold on the way up, heat on the way down. Very ancient yoga practice that is designed to push a lot of prana through the spine, the nervous system, and start to loosen those blockages energetically and so you have to be prepared for your shit to come up basically yeah. Yeah. because it's going to make you, let's say like more easily triggered or a little more off today. And those are your moments to yeah. heal, right? When it's coming up, then how do you deal with it? Do you love it? Do you forgive it? Do you hold mm -hmm. space for it? So if you're ready to awaken, Kriya Yoga is really powerful because it's like speeding up the process of your evolution. And if you know how to handle those things, you can do lifetimes of healing yeah. in a couple of years. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, so we Which do makes sense why, sorry to interrupt you, it makes sense just <clears throat> highlighting the fact that you spend time with your students on 
the master classes before you introduce yeah, this yeah, yeah. so that when things do come up, they're able to navigate it, recognize it, name it, tame it, and learn from it in the correct way. You got it. I, I would never teach this stuff for free and just say, hey, here's some practices to awaken your kundalini. Yeah. Have at it. Yeah. Because, I mean, people end up in psych wards from yeah. having this happen. It's like handing them a gun and being like, here, uh, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Play around. Have yeah. fun. It's like, okay, well, they could learn how to use it correctly. Yeah. They could also do a lot of damage. Yeah. So it... I'm a fan of the gradual awakening process. There's um, something called Shaktipat you may have heard of mm. where uh, people go to gurus who are, have an awakened kundalini and they put their hand on the top of their head and they awaken their kundalini like mm. instantaneously. It happens at Joe Dispenza retreats a lot. Yeah. But the majority of people who have that happen to them, if you're not a very advanced being spiritually speaking, it can leave you in psychological shambles. Sure. So we do 10 minutes of spinal breathing followed by 20 minutes of deep meditation. So we have your feminine and your masculine. And uh, that's how we start. And every um, week we add a new, one or two new advanced yoga practices to that routine and slowly work them up to a full routine that I call neurotropic breathwork. So, uh, you know, holotropic breathwork, uh, hollow means wholeness or whole. Tropic is a Latin term that I think it's tropin in Latin, and it means like a movement towards or to move towards. So Stanislav Grav coined holotropic breathwork, which means like a movement towards wholeness. Um, so I call it neurotropic breathwork because we're trying to move into the nervous system. Mm. We're trying to upgrade the nervous system through this practice. So we get into, from there we start doing um, bandhas, which are like root lock, uh, stomach lock, throat lock, where you're pulling, flexing your muscles while holding breath retentions, like really advanced yoga practices that have been around for thousands of years that are very stimulating on that energy. And then from there, the second component of the master class is now how do we deal with these symptoms? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like when this starts happening, what does it mean? And how do you ground this kind of energy? How do you know when to dial back? Um, how do you know when it's okay to, you know, put your foot on the gas a little bit? So it's, it's really, really fun because everyone's having a different experience, but everyone there in 4DU is like, I'm here to do the work. This yeah. is the mm -hmm. most important thing in my life. And as a teacher to me, I'm like, I'm drooling at that, you know? Yeah. This is, this is spiritual training for the Ironman. Yeah. Like, like it, it really is. is. And um, just like fitness, there are shortcuts and there, whether that be, you know, performance enhancing drugs or right. stimulants that can mock peak experience right but will be damaging to the physiology of the human body yeah. because yeah. you haven't built through long-term uh sustainable practice yeah. the structure to support that level of physical exertion yeah. you got and it i think in the same way as what you're articulating with with uh you know your spiritual practice to maintain this uh evolution in a, in the way that we vibrate in this in this life experience we have to like groom the runs to be able to support that ride yeah grease the groove yeah. is what i call it yeah grease yeah. the groove because because when this energy awakens in you and the higher it moves again it's upgrading your nervous system so those experiences of bliss become much more sustainable you start noticing um i call it goddess awareness because you start seeing the divine feminine in mm -hmm. everything mm. you become aware of the energy in nature, the aliveness in nature, 
everything begins to like sparkle with beauty mm. and sacredness. That's goddess awareness, right? You're actually seeing the, the goddess in creation. Mm -hmm. That's only possible through an upgraded nervous system. So if you're on drugs, if you're depressed, like good luck seeing that stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you got to upgrade the system first. Yeah, that you, you heard my thoughts because my next <laughs> question for you was going to be, what are some of your students experiencing or better yet, what have you experienced in your own life coming on the other side? Being a teacher of this, you must have experienced all of this. What have you experienced on the other side of this awakening? You, you mentioned, obviously, goddess energy and seeing the, the uh, or goddess awareness and seeing the sparkle. What else ha have you experienced or have you heard from your students? How is their life different because of this? Yeah, great question. <laughs> So um, when, when you hear the term Kundalini awakening, most people think of the event, right? Um, I call it the inner conjunction uh, when the divine feminine energy, the fourth density energy awakens and it has this kind of lightning bolt. I did actually a whole video on this if you're interested on my YouTube channel called The Science of Kundalini Awakening. Um, I use the analogy of a, a lightning strike in a cloud have you guys ever wondered or asked the question, does lightning strike from the ground up or from the cloud down? Yeah. Have yeah. you asked that question? Yeah. Do you similar, know the answer? Similar. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> so I, that, I started wondering about this um, when I had my first interconjunction a few years ago. I thought, man, it's, it's, um, it's like a lightning strike, mm. but it comes from the bottom up. I'm like, I wonder if, is this some kind of metaphysical lightning strike event happening in people's bodies? Mm. And so I started studying how lightning works. And sure enough, uh, it's actually both technically, because what happens first is that when a cloud becomes negatively charged enough from heat rising and all the stuff that happens, it will, it sends down a little bolt of what they call negative electricity. And that's the part we don't see with our naked eye. And when you look at it, I have a video on the, on that video, I show what it looks like in like a 10,000 frames per second slowed down. It's all these little entrails of electricity going down, and they're kind of like translucent looking. Yeah. But the first one that touches the ground grabs the positive charge of the planet and shoots it back up the exact same trajectory that the negative electricity set. So it's as if the negative creates the pathway, and then the Earth responds and shoots energy back up the pathway. So... The correlation there is that when we gain enough charge through mm -hmm. the crown chakra or the third eye, those, those chakras are charged through spiritual effort, right? Spiritual discipline and practice. It will eventually create such a charge that the root chakra mm -hmm. will be attracted to mm -hmm. it and that energy yeah. will awaken. So when that happened to me, it was um, an incredibly beautiful, unforgettable experience, but it was also like, what in the hell was that? <laughs> like you can hear about it a million times, yeah. but when it happens to you, yeah. it's like your first time taking plant medicine. Right. Yeah. You go, whoa, some other thing I'm not aware of exists that I have to know about this. Yeah, or your first <laughs> orgasm. Or that, right? <laughs> the first truly psychedelic experience you have. To me, that's what the psychedelic experience is. It's yeah. just a total um, contradiction of reality as you thought it was. That's what Kundalini did for me. And so... I started, um, I had a lot of stuff come up after that. Um, depression got a lot worse for a while and I knew what was happening enough to say, I need to ground this energy. You know, mm -hmm. I need to facilitate it. So I started researching yoga like crazy, Hatha yoga, Kundalini yoga, Kriya, Tantra, and found all these amazing practices to ground the energy and actually help it 
facilitate it upwards to the mm. crown chakra because what people think a kundalini awakening is is just that event mm. yeah but what it actually is is when you can bring that energy to the crown and keep it there because mm. it goes up for those few minutes or whatever and then it goes back down to the root again and you have to consciously keep raising kundalini back up until it can make its home with shiva at the third yeah. eye mm. that's when you become a fourth density being and when that transformation happens uh i call it bliss consciousness is another term we could use you actually you begin to live in a fourth density state meaning you you actually have a constant abiding awareness of oneness such that you forgot what it's even like to mm. think that things are separate. Mm. It's natural. It's effortless. It's your new default mode, right? Mm. There's always, at least in the background, an element of bliss in your, in your quality of consciousness. There's just a happiness. There's just this, when you, when you see and feel everything is one, you can't not be happy about that. Mm. Uh, and that's the kind of the miracle, you know, what we call miracles, uh, energy, right? Like, is that, is yeah. that kind of this lane that we, we can exist in such that these masters and these great teachers like Jesus were able to, you know, quote unquote, perform miracles. You got it. Remember we said at the beginning of this podcast, how you can't do work in consciousness until you gain a charge. Well, the more charged we get by awakening Kundalini, the more that supernatural abilities naturally happen. Mm. And that's one of the famous, like, side effects of kundalini is people will have these crazy psychic gifts all of a sudden, right? Mm. Um, Jesus for sure had an awakened kundalini, whether he went to a master in the East who awakened it for him, or if he had it awakened and traveled to the East to figure out what it was, he definitely had yeah. an awakened kundalini. And one of the most tall tale signs of that, um, which uh, we all, we all know the healing miracles are indicative of that, right? Healing is a supernatural ability. The dude walked on water. He walked through walls. He did all kinds of supernatural stuff. But to me, the most telling symptom is the his prayer in the garden mm, when yeah. it says that he sweat um, blood. blood. Yeah. Apparently, that's a condition that ha that can only happen through an awakened Kundalini wow. when the nervous system is capable of of charging so much energy. Well, how does energy move through the body? Blood, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And in a under under extreme stress. You combine extreme stress with an enormous amount of prana being moved through that person's body, the sweating blood can actually happen. Wow. And so um, there's a bunch of other things I could get into with Jesus yeah, and Kundalini, yeah. but it's, it's such an amazing thing to contemplate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, I know we could, we could go for hours and hours. Um, but I do, <laughs> next time we, we come on, I do want to uh, explore Jesus' teachings with you because... Um, I feel like he would come back and be like, WTF, what are you guys doing <laughs> in my name? Like, what is going on here? Um, that I kind of digress for a moment, but um, I, I do know that that's, that's uh, of interest to you and it's of interest to me. And there, there's this funny, like, um, people talk about it in sports all the time when they, when they talk about players, that will be like, you know, they, they have this cycle of going from underrated to overrated uh -huh. and then all of a sudden back to underrated. I feel like with, with our journey through, you know, growing up evangelical, Such a good analogy. there, there was this like, ah, uh, Jesus, you know, w we grew up like, oh, we're not, you know, we're not honoring Jesus enough, very much underrated. Then it's like, oh wait, okay. The church is way overrating this thing. <laughs> yeah. This guy, Jesus, we leave Christianity, you know, years of bitterness towards it, at least for yep. me. And now you get back to this point where you look at him as a master and you look yeah. at, and you look at the archetype of Jesus 
and um, even some of these things like the, yeah. the, the miracles. And you're like, damn, he's underrated again. It's you know, kind of like you, yep. back to underrated. It's kind of <laughs> how you. Uh, it's kind of how you see your parents. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you're little, it's like your parents can do no wrong. And then you become a junior high, high schooler. And you're like, F you. Like everything yeah. that you say, I'm going to disagree with it just because. And then you, you know, get to be 20, 30, 40 years old. And you're like back to like buds, best, best buds with your parents. Yeah. You know, it's like this, this beautiful cycle. And we have to experience it all. Otherwise there yes. would be no context. Yeah. Um, Got to have contrast. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, so good. And so good. I, I'm like, okay, so we're signing up for all of your master classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're 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 blessed that we get to have conversations like this with you in person, but like there is something to be said about putting your energetic value in the form of money and time yeah. towards something that you're you're identifying as this is important for me, not to just talk about on a podcast, but to actually absorb and take into my everyday life yeah and so i um you're totally inspiring me and i'm sure you are for oh, yeah. for chase as well yeah. and this has just been uh, our time always flies with you yeah, <laughs> so it, does, it. Yeah. it just goes by so fast is there anything else that you want to before we wrap this up you've you've blessed us with so much wisdom is there any anything else about 4du um and for anyone who hasn't picked up four density yeah. university for D U is what we're talking about. Is there anything else that you would want to share for someone who's interested? You've piqued their interest. Uh, what else can you, can you share as we, as we bring this to a close? Yeah, I would probably just say that I, I've created 40 U to be a space where the only qualification you need to have is a hunger mm-hmm. for spiritual growth. It's a space that, you know, when you become a teacher or influencer in some space, at a certain point, you're like, how do I scale this up? How do I help more people than if I'm just doing one coaching session at a time? I may be helping this person, but it's just one person for yeah. this whole hour. And I've just had a hunger to help as many people as possible. So years ago, there was this desire to say, how do I create a platform that can be like someone's taking coaching or something for a whole year or a long period of time to really make these monumental leaps and upgrades in their quality of consciousness, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of commitment. And so I knew that it's going to have to come through some form of like online academy. Mm-hmm. And I created a f- one master class years ago and ran that for a few years. And I knew I wanted to build on that uh, and take it this direction. So I've made it so that you don't even have to know anything about this stuff. Like you don't have to be some expert in spiritual concepts or anything. In fact, if you are and you don't have hunger, you're the worst candidate for it. You know, <laughs> I just want people who are like, I'm ready to do the work. I'm ready to yeah. graduate. Yeah. I want to be fourth density. Show me what to do yeah. and I'll do it. That's who 40U is for. And so I've made the barrier to entry as low as possible for people, which is it's month to month membership. I don't lock you into contracts. There's no payment plans. You just pay the monthly fee. Uh, and you stay as long as you want to stay. And if it, you're like, hey, this just isn't working for me, no problem. You just cancel your membership because I want people to be there who want to be there. Yeah. And if you don't want to be there, then I don't want you to be there, yeah. right? It's like totally equal exchange of energy type of thing. So you can go to 4duniversity.com. You can read more about it on the landing page there. And you can actually dive more into the master classes and really see more about what you're going to be learning and studying and practicing. And then you can just give it a shot, you know, and see if it works yeah. for you. Yeah. That's so great. And of course, we'll have all those those important links down in the show notes for you guys too, for 
to, to check out. Yeah, guys, if you haven't, and I'm sure you have at this point uh, with Aaron being on the show um, so often, check out his, his content. He's an incredible follow on social. Um, his uh, A Course in Miracles, ACIM content, as well as his uh, Law of One content on YouTube completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, those books are incredibly dense, and yeah. to read them without a guide is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so you, it will actually change the way that you look at pretty much everything. And uh, that shit is yeah. free. It's yeah. free. Yeah. You have master so, classes. <laughs> so much content for free on YouTube. And um, one of the books, you know, I, I'm writing up this post of books that have completely changed my life. And one of them is uh, the Law of One series. And the reason why I read the Law of One is because we were watching your YouTube series Mm -hmm. and I was so, you were explaining it so beautifully. And I was like, I, I want to read this book. Like I know it's super crazy dense. I want to get into this. Like this is sparking something in me. And I know that feeling every time I followed that feeling, it's been nothing but good things. And my life has always been better because of it. My relationship has always blossomed and been nourished because of that feeling that I follow. So I followed that feeling and read the the Law of One series and it t- took me like seven months because I was mm-hmm. going quite slowly and really wanted to absorb as much as I could. But having your also your videos to supplement on the side um, was really, really helpful. And I just, yeah, I want to express gratitude because your videos were really the impetus for me to dive into that series. And I see the entire world and my existence, our existence together completely differently because of that experience. Yeah. Wow. I'm so blessed and so grateful to hear that. Not just from you guys, but from anyone who says that oh, I started reading the law of one because of your videos. That's the greatest blessing, man. Cause yeah. I really do believe those two texts, like you said, are um, going to take our planet the direction they need to go. So yeah. the more yeah. people who read them, the better. And, uh, you know, this, the work that we do, it's like, you're not just doing it for yourself. Yeah. You're really not. We're all connected. We're all yeah. one. ACIM says all minds are joined. So your healing is the world's healing. And to mm-hmm. me, those two texts in particular, are just the most healing um, resources available, I think, for anyone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When you hear, heal yourself, you heal the world. It's, it's so true. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much mm, for, thanks so much, man. for Thank you allowing us into your house and to, to get to hang out with you. It's just, it's such a blessing. This is, uh, our, our, uh, top love language for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Thanks so much, you guys. <laughs> all right, you guys check out the show notes for 4d university and Aaron's YouTube. It'll all be there. Go spread some light and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, along with the discounts, visit themedicine.com forward slash medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes for this episode. Until next time, cheers, boo.